I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from TPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. You're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? I want to thank you guys for all the iTunes reviews, comments on social media, a bunch of emails. We love the feedback we're getting from you guys with topics and guests and things you want to know about in the diesel performance industry, in towing, just making your trucks more reliable. Keep blowing us up with all this information. We love hearing from you, love using that to bring you new episodes. We also want to encourage you guys to go over to the dieselpodcast.com. We've got all of our episodes there. We've got a apparel store. It's got the Diesel Podcast logo on it. You guys uh, sold us out last week, um, but we're stocked up now, ready to go. So I can't thank you guys enough for the support, asking us about hats and shirts and tons of different things. On today's episode, we're going to jump into 4748RE stuff. But before we do, we wanted to talk to you about the BD Diesel High 5 Torque Converter. It fits in line with some episodes we've had recently about these guys at the track just putting a ton of power through a 47 or 48 RE and almost eclipsing the platform and what it can hold. This torque converter from BD, you can pull it and take it apart yourself. So if you want to change a stator, uh, you want to refresh it, you don't have to ship it from you or your shop back to the manufacturer and wait for it and pay shipping and all that stuff. You can do it in your garage. You can do it wherever you want. It's a really cool product. You can check it out at dieselperformance.com. And we also want to thank PPI as well. PPI has tuning for Cummins Duramax Power Stroke. Whether you just want a 30 horsepower tune or you've got a crazy S500 triple setup and you want to harness the most power out of it, make sure you go to ppi.com and check out all the tuning options they have. Ethan, how's it going, man? I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Good. How are you guys? Man, we're staying busy and... uh, Trying to keep up with all the the diesel races and product updates and everything going on out there. It's been a pretty crazy year so far. Yeah, it's getting really, really popular every year. Seems like every <laughs> class is growing. You know it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, gosh, it's probably the last two or three years just jumped leaps and bounds. You know, as far as the power, the the things trucks are doing, how fast they're going. Oh, for sure, for sure. I wanted to have you introduce yourself and your company to our listeners. So if they haven't heard about you guys and what you're doing, if you could tell us, you know, how, how you started, where you guys are located, what you guys do there in the shop. So I'm Ethan with uh, Wilson Patterson Diesel. We're located in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, most of you would know it as Purdue University. It's uh, about five miles from us in West Lafayette. We're just across the river. Um, you know, it seems like a typical story. We all started out with a dream, um, took our hobby into a full-time job. I was a full-time farmer, did it for, you know, many years and did kind of a diesel thing on the side. Um, could never could never get a transmission to hold, and I didn't have the funds really to pay somebody to do it, so I dug in myself years ago, and, you know, that's kind of got us where we're at now. We specialize in transmissions and, um, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff in the diesel industry. We have, we have um, you know, fleet maintenance and general maintenance in the front, uh, three bays, two post lifts, six bay shop. Um, we got a machine shop side, 
that uh, you know we we machine some of our our transmission parts and stuff in house, um, and we have what they call a drag racing bay where you know it's a big long project. Uh, that bay pretty much stays with uh, some type of uh, race application vehicle in there, whether we're building chassis or you know setting some suspension up or you know putting a power plant in, wiring, whatever it may be. So uh, yeah. That's where we. That's where we all started. You know, started on the farm and went into uh, something that we all loved and wanted to evolve into something bigger. Oh, exactly. What are the, what's that saying? If you do something you love, it's like you never worked a day of the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that too. You know, uh, we all come in here and uh, enjoy what we do every day, and that's a big. You know, um, I was the same way on the farm. I really enjoyed farming. Uh, it was just it was too much. Um, to do both jobs, and so my passion lied in going fast and the diesel, watching the diesels grow, which they have, you know, tremendously grown, uh, like we spoke earlier about. Now, as far as what you guys work on in the shop and see with the transmission program, do you guys specialize in one type of transmission, like say for a Dodge, or do you guys do a little bit of everything, whether it's Ford and GM, or? Uh, we do everything. Um, I guess our our big seller is going to be, you know, the forty seven forty eight. Um, just the year span there is just huge. Um, Dodge is obviously, you know, a cheaper truck for, you know, per se the younger kids to buy and turn up. Um, you know, you start getting into, I mean, we do the Fords. Um, we do the Allison stuff. Uh, we do it all, but our main, I guess, customer base is going to be in the 4748. Um, our runner-up would be a 4R100. So. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. That's uh, I'm a Cummins guy, and I love the five nine platform. And even you know, which with six seven, the forty eight swaps are really cool. Which I'm sure we'll get to uh, get to that here in a little bit. But it's uh, I love that transmission. I love that forty eight. As far I've been seeing your truck, you guys have a, a a really cool truck. I've been seeing it everywhere, events, online, tons of different things. Tell us about the kind of truck that you got. What's done to it? kind of power it's making, those kind of things. Okay. Um, yeah, so we built a, uh, a 799 spec um, Pro Street uh, four-wheel drive. It is a uh, 2006. Originally was a Dooley with 78,000 miles on it. It was fully loaded leather interior. Um, really beautiful truck. No rust, no nothing. Um, you know, we set out with a goal of going fast. Uh, so uh, me and Jay Lee went in on this truck. Um, Jay Lou is out of Massachusetts, and um, we started into it with a plasma cutter and cut as much weight as we possibly could and back half the whole setup. We did it all here in-house. Um, it's got a Freedoms Racing engine. Um, it has been on the engine dyno at uh, 2013 horsepower um, on a single GT55 uh, 102. Wow. That is fuel only. So... Uh, we went with the we went with the single platform, um, single charger platform. Um, we have a set of uh, twin 12 mil SNS pumps on it, um, some DDP injectors. Um, obviously, uh, we uh, put it in there with one of our 48 RV um, transmissions with Suncoast parts. Um, it does have the uh, standalone E618 valve body, which we set up for all of our racing customers. Uh, it's just a lot easier for um, 
somebody that's going fast not to take their hand off the wheel. I try to make it as simple, easy, and um, non-complex as possible, but yet have the data and the capability to be able to fine-tune something as well as, you know, you can fine-tune the transmission as well as the engine. And uh, that's, you know, that's just the way technology is kind of going, and that's what we seek out to do. Um, <clears throat> so it's got four nine-inch front and rear axles. Um, it's just uh, it's one heck of a build. Um, we we uh, entered it in the UCC qualifier for the 2018 season. Um, we were literally working on it as we were unloading it from the trailer. A lot of uh, people watch this on social media and Snapchat and that whatnot and uh, didn't think it was going to make it. We did not sleep for four days straight to get this thing done, and we mm -hmm. busted butts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a really big stretch. I had no test time. We didn't even know if the charger was going to spool. Um, you know, we unloaded it from the trailer, went to the dyno, uh, had an electrical gremlin, and it shut down the whole dash um, about halfway through the run and, you know, put down 1,400 horse to the wheel. Which you know it was it was kind of uh it was it was a a win for us, you know we spent so much time and no sleep if that thing you know just made it and shifted through the gears and put down any type of number, we were all happy, so you know even though it wasn't a big impressive number, um you know we took it back to the pits, went back through it, found our electrical gremlins, and you know got ready for the next day to to make a, a quarter mile hit on. It. Um, that was another accomplishment. We worked all night um, getting getting that thing ready to launch. We didn't know what it was going to do. If it was going to go straight, it was going to you know go into the other <laughs> lane. Uh, you know, we're kind of shooting from the hip, um, and we ended up cutting a one four sixty foot. Some some of the software that we're using in the transmission side hasn't been used yet in the racing application. So we had a little bit of a gear hang, but we, we uh, since we have data logs on it, you know, we could find out exactly what happened and went back through it and got it all figured out. Um, it'll be running the ODSS Pro Street Circuit. Uh, this year, I think what we're going to try to do is hit some. Um, we're not going for points this year. We're going to get the chassis set, make sure, you know, we get it dialed in, find out what power the chassis likes, and if we need to add, you know, how much nitrous, um, being that it's a single charger and not triple turbos like most of the fleet is out there. Um, so we got a little playing around to do with the chassis and, and whatnot, but I really think it's going to be a, one of the top contenders. I mean, we've got a, we got a really good base to work off of and, uh, and definitely be a pretty good competition in that class. Now, when you guys were, were planning out the air, was there a particular reason you wanted to go with a single charger versus, say, like some of the triple setups that are out there? You know, Initially, like even up to about a couple months before the competition, we had all intentions of doing triples. Um, just because the, that was like the class, you know, that was what the, the people were doing in the class, and it was working, and it was great. But uh, as we started getting closer and closer and running out of time, we're like, man, this thing as a single would make plenty of power. We obviously know that from the engine dyno. Um, and uh, so we um, decided that we were going to be kind of a one-off deal. There's a couple people running some big singles, but the, the whole key purpose behind it, I guess, would be um, as you run a triple turbo, 
it also adds low in power. So we're looking at a torque factor um, off the line, which if you watch four-wheel drive diesel trucks, I mean, it's kind of hard to get a chassis to stick, you know, off the line. There's so much torque, it just wants to chatter the tires and blow through them. Right. Well, if we take it to an RPM base where we have to have the RPMs way up and build a bunch of horsepower up high, um, it's going to be less of a, of a challenge for us to get the low end torque out because there just isn't going to be as much. Um, so I guess that's the theory behind it. Um, it seems to work. Uh, it's been proven a couple times, you know. Um, so we'd rather have a high RPM, low torque, um, you know, racing setup rather than the uh, the grunt power, I guess, as you would say, uh, from a triple or a twin turbo. I mean, just be like putting twins on your toe pick, you know. Um, you do it because you get you gain so much low end power. You can grunt through the hills, and it lowers EGTs. And, and you know, that's that's all great. But in, in drag racing, we've seen, a, um, we've seen an advantage, I guess, of going with higher RPM and higher horsepower than torque. So I guess that's the... That's the reasoning we we stuck with what we did. Do you think with that, say, running the the RPM and changing where that torque comes on, that it's almost easier on some parts, or you can extend the longevity of it um, with different components? Oh, for sure. Um, put it in perspective of you know, let's say a turbo four hundred behind an LS, um, you know, fully blown turbocharged. And then you put a turbo 400 behind a triple turbo Cummins. Um, there's a lot of difference in there. I mean, when you're when you're building RPM and using RPM and horsepower as your friend, you can get by with a lot of like stock shafts um, and builds like that um, because it just doesn't have the it doesn't have the the torque load on it. Um, you know, you put you put a turbo 400 behind it like a, a Dodge or something in that nature with a diesel. And all of a sudden, you know, the stuff that you didn't break in the gas world becomes a whole different factor um, in the diesel world because we have that low-end grunt and it will straight shear, snap off clean shafts, and, you know, you scratch your head for a long time. So longevity of parts is definitely um, a, big, a big thing with that uh, single charger deal. And almost, it leads into a series of questions that we've gotten on social media for a little while, and I've been keeping track of them, about a 47, whether it's an RH, RE, 48 RE, and shafts. So I wanted to ask a transmission guy. You know, somebody walks into your shop, they've got, say, an 06 common rail, and it's got just a programmer on it, and it's something maybe 430, 450 horsepower. They'll ask, when do I need to do a build input shaft? What's what are the guidelines that you tell customers and advise them as to whether they can get away with stock shafts and when they need to go to billet shafts? Um, there's obviously a lot of different factors um, that come to key on on input shafts, and I tell my customers this: I say, um, you know, we can we can all put stock input shafts in, and yes, we can make them live. You're going to have to have a cheaper grade torque converter that doesn't have such a harsh um, like aggressive lockup, uh, you don't want to jar shaft when you got a stock shaft in there. Um, a lot has to do with valve volume modification. Um, you don't really go into a big um, high pressure valve body build when you have are trying to utilize a stock shaft. Um, any type of, of of a jolt 
in the system, whether it be, you know, billet or factory, because um, I've, I've snapped both personally, um, you know, if you're under load and you hit a bump as it's shifting a gear, hitting lockup, it's going to snap any shaft you got in there. Um, you know, there's some shaft out there that might not break, but depending on the power level you're at and you actually unload and load the chassis, um, it would definitely probably break the shaft in there, and it's usually the input. Um, so I guess on our builds, if there, <laughs> sometimes you know you got to see what kind of uh, driving habits they have. And if the truck pulls in here <laughs> and it's got forces on it, and you got a little rubber right there on the back of the bedside, you don't really offer them um, a stock input. <laughs> uh, you know, you kind of know that this kid's probably going to be doing burnouts, and and you just don't really want your name on something that might or might not work. Right. So, you know, some of the older fellas that come in here that are just going to be towing, um, we do get away with a, a stock input shaft. Um, we do a, a nice um, billet front cover, single disc torque converter. Um, you know, they're good for 400, 500 horse um, builds. Uh, these guys are mostly, you know, in the 350, 400 range. When somebody gets up there around the 450, 500 range, it's, it's just time. You know, it's, it's, if not, you're going to be doing everything twice. And, um, you know, I've had a customer come in here and say he's selling the truck. He just wants to get it going. Um, you know, give me that story. And we've, you know, I, I explained to him that this, if this does break, it's going to cost more than what we are doing now. So, um, you know, it was a dually, and he was late for work, and he was at a stop sign and just gassed it. And unfortunately, the converter didn't slip or nothing slipped in the trans, and it put all the power to the ground, and it snapped the stock input. Well, when you do that, you had just taken out your torque converter, your front pump assembly, your input shaft, and sometimes it takes out, you know, the forward the forward drum. So you're looking at pretty much the whole front half of your transmission being replaced, and he literally had double the money in it as he would have just to buy a good converter and a good input and and run it, you know. And I try to explain that to people a lot. And I know it seems like a lot of money up front, but if you if you get in the bad situation and then you look back, you're like, man, I wish I should have listened. I wish I should have done that. And that's what we try to get across to our customers, um, that a lot of us shops aren't out there just just to, you know, make a bunch of money because we all know that, you know, there's not big profit margins and, and we're out here to help. You know, we've been in the shoes before and we're out here to help. We're not trying to just sell something. Um so we try to we really try to push a good converter and a good input. Um, yes, you can get by. Like I said, um, it really depends on the valve body setup, um, how hard you want that thing to engage, how much pressure you got, um, what kind of converters in there. Um, you want a little less grade converter in there, unfortunately, to keep the keep the stock input shaft alive. You don't want jolts. Um, you don't want harsh lockups. Um, like I said, you know you keep things kind of closer to the stock side if you're if you are going towards uh, keeping that stock input. Now, at the point, say, you know, a guy comes in and he's sold, he knows he wants a billet input. When do you go to a billet flex plate and, say, an output shaft? What kind of power level or use do we start to go to that, you know, those upgrades? Um, the flex plate is really, 
it's really hit and miss. Um, you know, I've had stock trucks come in here with busted flex plates. Don't know how they do it. They rip the center right out of it, stock power. Um, you know, then you've got guys out there with 550, 600 horse on stock flex plate and doing, you know, they don't ever fail. Um, the our, I guess, what we call our street flight version, which is like a billet input shaft, triple disc converter, double deep pan, uh, our valve body, comes with a billet flex plate. That's that's rated for, you know, 650 horsepower. Our limiting factor, as everybody's is, is the output shaft. Um, around 650 horsepower, depending on what you're doing with the truck and your age. <laughs> um, uh, if it hops off the ground and your four-wheel drive boost launching it, yes, you're going to break a stock output shaft. I've personally had trucks, you know, it's 750 horse, and the stock output shaft lifts. But my chassis never hopped off the ground, and I've never four-wheel drive boost launched it. Um, so the, I guess the output shaft answer would be if you are going for a billet output shaft, I would say you want to be around the area of, um, you know, 650, about 600, 650 horsepower um, is right there pushing it um, if you're going to be doing a four-wheel drive boosted launch. Um, if you're not, I mean, you can get by with, uh, with the stock output shaft um, at the 650, 700 horse range. Um, but most people at that kind of horsepower aren't going to, I guess not full drive boost launch. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, you know, it's just it's pretty much a given. Um, I always tell my customers, look, if you don't have the funds for a build output shaft, do not cheap out on the input. Do not cheap out on the converter or flex plate. If you want to cheap out, do an output shaft. Because if you break an output shaft, we don't have to drop the trains normally. We pull the transfer case, we extract the broken off piece out of the transfer case input, and we drop the overdrive housing off the back of the transmission. Then we upgrade the output shaft. Um, so it's not, it doesn't, like an intermediate shaft will take out the center of the transmission, and, excuse me, it will, uh, it's about as bad or if not worse. Um, I've had an intermediate shaft personally take out um, you know, the input all the way to the overdrive housing. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen uh, uh, Montana Cherry on the, on the video online of him splitting the intermediate shaft and it busted his whole case. I mean, the intermediate shaft is no joke. It, it definitely is 100%. If you're close to breaking, you know, power level of breaking that intermediate shaft, that intermediate shaft should be priority over the output in my opinion because if we break an output shaft yeah it's it's you're you're wasting maybe three to six hundred dollars um of labor but it does not tear anything else up so um as of the flex plates um what we see in the flex plate world is you know if you have um a really thick stiff flex plate uh your converter bolts normally do not back out. Um, you know, you still get you still get people every once in a while that have converter bolts loosen up and you can lock tight them as tight as you want and, you know, there's just some trucks that just vibrate them out. Um, when you have that happen um, and you catch it because whether you hear a noise or you're just under there, 
it will actually egg shape the hole. And you might not notice it. But if you go to use that flex plate again and you tighten it down, it'll, everything will be all fine, happy, hunky-dory until you go to put power to it under lockup. That will sit there and vibrate and egg shape that hole even more, and it will shoot every single flex plate bolt off in the converter. So the flex plate being extra thick on top of the SFI rating, um, so any flex plate you pretty much get aftermarket is going to have that SFI tag, um, which is pretty much mandatory on a track, whether you be sled pulling or whether you be drag racing. Um, they want to know that that thing is, you know, not factory and it's not going to come through your bell housing and kill somebody or hurt yourself or, you know, send you into the wall or whatever it may be. But uh, the flex plate is, I wouldn't say, has a technically um, a horsepower level as well as longevity um, and safety, you know. Um, a, lot of our, a lot of our 500 horsepower builds, like I said, always get a billet flex plate, and we don't really bend on that. Um, we just don't want a converter in there that could be, you know, that flex plate moving around and walk out of pump bushing or something of that nature. And also, too, it saves money versus a tow bill. It's a lot cheaper to do that flex plate while it's in your bay, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is. It is for sure. Now, the intermediate that you talked about, when is that, say, you know, th there's a lot of different kind of information out there as far as, I think everyone's real consistent with the billet input, the flex plate, the outputs, but they're, there can be a little confusion out there for a truck owner. When do I need to do the intermediate? You know, is it 800 horse? Is it 850? You know, what point do you do that one? Like I mentioned before, um, the intermediate shaft is a very important shaft. It keeps everything in line. It keeps everything on shaft in play. If that thing breaks, it is pretty much total failure. Um, at that power level, I would say... Anything over 800 to 850 horse, like you mentioned, would definitely be a good a good time to put the uh, 300M um, intermediate shaft in it. Now, there's two different types of intermediate shafts that are ha they have one, um, and we use a place out of Canada that's called uh, TCS Products. Um, there's also a place in Arizona called TCS. Um, performance, I believe. Um, both very good companies. Uh, we've, we've used both. Um, and those are the two big shaft suppliers in the industry. So your main, your, the main people that are going to be selling these transmissions get those shafts from either one. TCS Products in Canada has two different grades of intermediate shafts. The 300M will go from 850 to about 1,000 horsepower. Uh, anything over 1,000 horsepower, depending on weight, um, of the vehicle and what they're doing with, um, then we would, and, and you'll see a double in price tag because the material of this, this other 300 miraging intermediate is a lot more expensive. But it holds a lot more power. So we personally have tested the intermediate, miraging intermediate up to, um, at the wheels, it was 2,368 horsepower on the stainless diesel drive truck. Um, and we have never, ever to this day had an intermediate shaft failure and it's been in there for five seasons now. Um, we've never swapped it out. We've never changed it. Um, that 
that 300 miraging shaft is a lifesaver. Uh, if you do happen to break one, like I said, it is typically case uh, rear drum, the direct drum, forward drum. Um, depending on, sometimes you can save the overdrive housing, but you know the pump all the way back to the center support is just trash, and sometimes the case. Um, so it's not really something to mess around with. So I would say 100%. If you got, like I said earlier in this, um, if you got 800, 850 horse, you plan to have fun. You're not going out there to, you know, see if you can tow a trailer up a mountain. Uh, <laughs> you're planning on going and doing burnouts and full drive boost launches and racing Corvettes and you know whatever it may be. Um, 800, the 800 horsepower, you better just plan on spending, you know, the 650 $680, whatever that 300M shaft is, and putting it in there. It, it's, you know, at least in our shop, it's no, it's no different money whether we put a stock one or an aftermarket one in labor-wise. It doesn't matter to us. Um, the only other cost you got is the shaft. So, you know, at that point, um, a lot of our customers say, you know, at this point, I really want, you know, that billet intermediate shaft, because I explain it to them just like I'm explaining to you guys. Um, it, it's just, it's, you're playing fine. Yeah. I know, I know I read things online and have, you know, before I even started in transmissions and people are saying, you know, these stock intermediate shafts are just as strong as the 300 ends, and I would really like to see that. I really would, because I've been through both of them. And I know I know what the material both of them is, and there is absolutely no way a 300m intermediate shaft, at the least, is what I would do at the 800 to 850 horse range. Um, especially if you plan to go have fun, which you're going to at that kind of power level. Definitely, that that leads into actually the the other question we got from a guy, and this has become a really popular swap. Is you get these six sevens, you know, they probably have a built motor, six seven Cummins. And the trucks are going to be a thousand horse, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred horse, and the sixty-eight RFE just is not going to hold that. And swapping the forty-eight REs in, well, the guy who messaged us has a two thousand fifteen, and I know you guys got some things for this. And I'm really excited to talk about it. Is yeah, you can put the forty-eight RE behind it, but does the push button start work? Does the reverse camera work? Do all these creature comforts work? And you guys got something for that or been working on something for that. And I wanted to learn more about that. Okay. So um, what we work with here is uh, all of our swaps get um, the E618 from Suncoast Performance valve body, which is converted basically it's a non-governor style valve body. It's all switched. Every gear selection is switched to an on-off solenoid. Um, you, could, you could tap it with a button and shift it. Or you can put it in gear and program it to go with mile per hour versus TPS or boost or RPM or whatever you may want to set it up to. Um, that valve body takes what they call powertrain control solutions or PCS 2800 TCM, transmission control module. Um, it's a universal control module um, designed for all kinds of, you know, anywhere from four to six speed transmissions. Um, that module has allowed us and has the um, ability to make what we have um, worked on for the last uh, eight months um, an all-in-one transmission controller, and it also controls the ECM side. So we have a harness um, and module revision 
that we are able to plug in the factory 68 RFE connector to our harness and into the valve body and make the dash work, the push button start work, the remote start work, um, excuse me, the backup camera, um, all of your bells and whistles uh, will, will work as if it was factory. And that's what uh, we've been working at for a long time. There's also another module that will do the same. It's kind of an add-on module, um, which what is what we have done in the past before we was able to release ours, um, was the Porcupine from Firepunk. It works excellent, too. Great, guys. Uh, great product. Um, flawless operation. Um, it does the same exact thing. It will allow you to, you know, have push-button start. It'll allow you to have uh, cruise control. Um, the remote start feature works. Uh, four low. Um, all kinds of all, all of your bells and whistles basically. No check engine lights. Uh, no ABS. Uh, Stability track um, stuff will be on. Uh, it's it's as close as factory as we are going to be able to get right now. Um, not to say that the either either the 68 might evolve more. Um, I know there's been a lot of research going on. Um, we are actually doing some more research ourselves on the 68 and going to be digging in. But until that, this 48 is definitely going to have to fill the gap. Um, there's not many other transmissions out there that we can make uh, swap in there that's that's so that's this easy um, and be able to communicate cross communicate between the modules and everything. So that's kind of where we're at on there. That is so cool because for years it was always a trade off of, you know, it's pretty easy to fit one behind a six seven, you know, compared to other swaps, and they've been built. You know, guys like yourself know how to build a forty seven forty eight, know when to go to these different shafts, know where to stall the converter. It's proven. But you put it behind your 6.7 and now certain features on the truck don't work. And it's really hard, you know, to make that jump, swap a 48 in it, and you got your fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 truck that now lost these features. So the fact that that can be incorporated in those day-to-day kind of creature comforts is, it's really cool. <laughs> I, wish, right. I wish it had been out for a while when I did mine because mine was... I had to make trade-offs, and it, it wasn't fun, but guys don't have to do that anymore. Yep, yep. We've definitely uh, – it, it took a lot of time, you know, trying to run a business and uh, do R&D is definitely hard for us. Uh, we have a lot more things that we're wanting to uh, incorporate, per se, um, that will be coming out. But uh, this is as close as we get right now, and it's working awesome. Um, like I said, you know, a lot of these guys were really iffy about doing the swap, um, as we know it, uh, the Allison swap's getting kind of uh, kind of up there and uh, getting everybody's attention. Uh, I think, you know, that'll be a big hitter here for a while, um, <clears throat> which I would recommend if you're, if you're going to have a 6.7 that's going to do nothing but tow through the mountains and stuff like that. Our 6.7 guys, like you, like you said before, uh, these guys, you know, that are doing the 48 swaps, um, they're, they're wanting to go out, play around, uh, do full drive boost launches, uh, put a thousand horse down to the ground, um, whatever it may be. And they know that, you know, when they hit the gas, it's not going to try to relearn. It's, it's just, it's going to, it's going to go. It's, yeah. it's going to, it's going to hold the power. It's going to put it to the ground and it's going to launch and you're going to beat the guy beside you, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's the big 48 thing, man. It's uh it's definitely an awesome swap. Um, it beats it beats uh, refreshing a 68 or going through a 68, you know, two or three times before you decide to do it. Um, so if you have plans to go, you know, the thousand horsepower, and you want it reliable and you don't want to mess with the trans, you know, I would very highly recommend doing some sort of 48 swap, um, for sure. The part that also ties it all together that you mentioned earlier is the PCS and the, the data logging and what you can do with that truck to get it to go quicker just by customizing the shifts, the lockup. And then also, you know, the other part of it is making it drivable. I mean, there's pretty much, you probably do pretty much anything with that controller to give the customer what they want. Yes. Yes, we can. Um, you know, I, I run it in my, I have a 99 uh, Dodge Dually. Owned it since, you know, I took my wife to prom in it, uh, so it's kind of sentimental. <laughs> but I do run a 2800. It was a it was a manual truck, you know, and uh, I got a Frankenstein, you know, 47, 48 Frankenstein transmission, I call it, um, with, with the E618, with the 2800. Um, I pretty much make base files off of that truck. Um, somebody, you know, calls in and says, hey, man, I just really can't get this thing to shift right. I want to do this or... You know, I'll either go out there, load their file in my truck, make sure, you know, our base file is, is 100% working like it should be, or I will um, have them download TeamViewer, and I will sit there and personally um, spend time watching them drive it um, through their computer and, um, you know, tune it as they're driving. Um, everybody drives different. Everybody wants their shift points different. Uh, one thing I did do for my customers is get the get the calibration B, so there's able to be two tune files. Um, pretty much my calibration A in all my setups is going to be your daily driver going through town. Um, lockup's going to be a little less harsh. Uh, it's going to come in later. Um, you know, just a more of a daily um, driver tune. And then my calibration B is going to be some higher line pressure. It's going to shift a little harder than the gear. Uh, your lockup's going to be down low, so when when you do get into it, it'll it'll take it, um, you know. But everybody seems to have a little bit different, um, you know, turbo setup or what what you may have under the hood, and so everybody's you know tune file is a little different. So it does take a little bit of uh, knowledge and knowing your way around, and but having that, like you said, that information there. You hook a laptop up, um, excuse me, it. Uh, you can see everything that transmission is doing, why it shifts, what, where it's shifting, um, what your throttle angle is, so in TPS. Um, it has voltage display. It tells us what solenoids engaged, when lockup came in. I mean, it, the sky's the limit. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, the, the 2800 is, is a, it's more expensive than uh, what, I guess, the competitors have, but... There's a lot more adjustability, um, you know, and it seems to me like it drives a little better on the street for your daily driver stuff um, just because of the tunability of them, you know. That's, yeah, and that's really the thing, like, that these listeners we have that messaged us or just what's come up over time with episodes is, you know, going full throttle at the track, it, it's going to, it is what it is. You know, you know where to shift it, what the line pressure needs to be, where the lockup needs to happen based on the setup. 
but the truck owner is going to spend way more time driving this truck to work, you know, taking it on a trip, going to the store, whatever it might be. And with all the different driving styles out there, you're not just stuck with what, you know, say an engineer at Ram decided a 68 RFE should do. You can change that whole setup and, and make them happy. And that's really awesome too, that you'll, you'll do it on TeamViewer. You'll make those adjustments for them so they don't have to learn this whole entire new software, maybe not know what they're doing, smoke the tranny because something was moved that shouldn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to do uh, on that end. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yep. I mean, I, there's been countless times where people, you know, have uh, messaged me on Facebook per se, uh, on our Wilson-Patterson Diesel Facebook or, you know, something in that nature and says, hey, man, I, I really just can't get this thing to shift right or, you know, it's not doing what I want it to do. And, you know, I'll just have them, you know, email me a tune file and I'll look through it and I'll fix it. Or, you know, if I can't see anything wrong, I, I say, hey, you know, either send me a dialog or let's get on some team beer real quick. And, uh, you know, within five or ten minutes we got an answer and we can get it figured out and, uh, you know, get them back on the road, you know, to where it works and they're happy and everything's uh, – happy hunky door, you know? So, yeah. I really appreciate your time today. You got me pumped up about 48 RE swaps and stuff. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They're fun, man. We do a lot of them. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I want to keep following you guys. We follow you on Instagram, Facebook and everything. And I want to see the, what the truck does this year. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to chat later in the year as well. I'm sure that everything's going to change in the diesel performance market here in three to six months anyway seems like that's what has been doing the last oh, couple yeah. Of years <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure yeah we're still a we're uh we're technically a small industry but we're we're evolving it really fast and we're stepping up to the plate um so i'm sure you know three to six months we'll probably have something totally different and awesome coming out and we'll all have to change what we know <laughs> so um appreciate it and uh We'll talk at you guys later. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and check out the High 5 Torque Converter from BD Diesel at dieselperformance.com and tuning for your Cummins Duramax or Power Stroke at ppi.com. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.